You're listening to the Country Chat Podcast with your host, Dom. Subscribe, give a five-star rating, and follow us on Twitter at country underscore chat. And stay up to date. Hi there, you're listening to the Country Chat Podcast with me, Dom. Today I'm going over to Wales, the beautiful country of Wales, and I'm speaking to the absolutely fantastic Larry. Hi, Larry. Hello, nice to, nice, to see you. nice to meet you properly in person. I know, in we've person. been... I say through a screen, but in person. We've, well, that, that's the main thing at the moment. I mean, everything's done through these kind of Zoom calls, these FaceTime calls, however you, you know, communicate with people. And it's such a bizarre set of circumstances, but we've all got through it. You know, we're getting towards yeah, the definitely. end of the hill. How's it been for you? Um, it's just been a whirlwind. Like, um, my partner said it had been a year since they got sent home from work yet there today. And I was like, how has it been a year already? It's kind of, it's sort of gone by really quick, but also dragged. But it's a really weird kind of like time. Meh, I don't know. This is just sort of a, it's a bit of a, yeah. um, I found it, I found it ups and downs, like the whole time really. Like that I've been really productive in parts and then had a week of just crying and having to meltdowns and stress and then having a reproductive week and then being like oh this is fine we're all okay and then and then stressing again and it's really like it's hard to get a grip on how you feel and yeah and what you're doing i think that's the biggest thing though as well is just trying to take in everything that's going on because so much has happened in terms of being kind of confined to our own homes i mean i know wales has been slightly different to england because you've had a lot more severe lockdowns earlier than what we did because our government's a bit slow at doing stuff like that (laughs) but politics aside we're here about the music side of things now, when you're creating the amazing tracks that you do, I mean, New Sin and, and Delete It, it was just, it's just mind blowing. How did you actually record these? So I was really lucky that I got to work with um, a producer that I've, I've worked with on a lot of my stuff. Um, he lives in Cardiff, so it's about a 40 minute um, drive. Um, and I got to record them in like that time in August where we were allowed to, kind of go to work which I, I was like this is this is this is sort of work I'll, I'll, I'll blag it as work um, and obviously there's only, there was only two of us in the studio and it's like the separate like room for the vocal booth and stuff so it worked quite well um but yeah I'm hoping that it'll start to open up again to record more soon have you got any I know we're going to talk about delete it and new sin and everything else in between but have you got anything coming up soonish or what what's the next stages um for so I've been releasing singles for the last year and um they're going to come together um to form an ep that i haven't like properly announced yet but um it's going to be like a collection of songs but um i wanted to kind of stagger the releases of them to make the most out of each song really so it's going to have a sort of collection of lockdown ep i suppose (laughs) have you got a title yet for this proposed EP. i do i'm not gonna reveal it just yet but um yeah i do have a title and it's got it's kind of a concept dp so um it'd be quite interesting oh, i'm excited oh i'm really excited <laughs> now i've been listening all day today and smoky steel lights is one that consistently makes me go oh i like this and then oh i like <laughs> this smoky steel lights where did that come from 
Oh, thank you. Um, it actually came from um, a dri- my drive home. I think I'd gigged. I had a weird, I had a really busy gigging weekend, and I'd done a couple of shows in Southampton, and then I'd done like an open mic or like an industry networking thing in London. So it's in my head, I was like, they're all close by each other. <laughs> I'll go there, 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 and come back to Wales. But they're not. They're like you know, a couple good couple of hours in between each place. Um, Just and a I bit. did a gig in Cardiff on the on the way home on the Sunday. And I was just absolutely shattered of driving. And um, I was just driving all the way home, really, from from there. And I'd driven from London. So it's pretty much a completely straight route down the M4. Yeah. Um, right from London all the way to Swansea and beyond. So um, I was just driving down there, sort of trying to stay awake and that sort of thing. And um, went, did my gig in Cardiff, carried on. And then, because it was a Sunday night, that's when they like to do all the motorway uh, <laughs> works. And yeah. then I'm like, oh, I just just diverting you off here a minute so you can drive around Newport if you like while when you're waiting have a bit of a detour and then you can go that way and you can go around Bridge and then you can come back and so you're like zigzagging the motorway and it's taking you about three times as long to get home (laughs) so um I was just sort of losing my mind a bit and um when I got back onto the M4 um a couple of junctions before um Swansea there's this little town called Portalbert and it's a bit of a shithole and it's got these massive steel works and it's just smoke and it's, it looks all sort of, yeah. it's all, um, it's not the nicest place. Um, it's really industrial, like lots of pollution and all that sort of thing. But in the nighttime, it's all like lit up and you can see the flames and you can see like the sea and the reflection of it on the water and all the lights. And I thought, oh, that's quite pretty actually. Now that I know I'm like, 20 minutes from home I was like yes for Talbot I love you and I get the most beautiful thing I've ever seen because I was so like so homesick and ready to just kind of crash so um not crash the car obviously but <laughs> ready to get home and and um go to bed and stuff but yeah it was just about that and about like that moment where you recognize something and you think oh that's it I'm nearly home like that's the the marker and now every time I drive home it's like oh we got to Talbot we're nearly there yeah so, um yeah I wrote that song um, kind of like started thinking of the lyrics in the car and then I formed it like a few weeks after. Um, also it was interesting because my dad's parents both worked in the steelworks. Um, really? so that's where they met. So I was like, that's quite sort of romantic really when you think about it, this like horrible factory and <laughs> all these fumes, but, um, it might not be, I might not be here if they hadn't, uh, been making steel in Port Talbot. So it all sort of came full circle in my head and, uh, I wrote a song about it. That's amazing. <clears throat> I mean, when I used to work in a town called Grimsby, I used to travel from York to Grimsby, and there's this there's a little like coastal town called Immingham, and they've got the exact same kind of oil refinery, big steel like the chimneys where yeah. you see the flames come up. I know it's not the same as steelworks. I mean, grown up around Sheffield and Barnsley. Yeah, of course. I think they're like twinned or something, the Sheffield and Portalbert, so. See, there we go. I mean, we talk about full circle and here we are talking now. Yeah. <laughs> so going into those kind of like those markers when you're driving, like what, what is those drives? Like, you know, what kind of car, what, let, let, let's start from the beginning. What car do you have? 
So um, I upgraded a couple of years ago. I've now got a Nissan Note, which is a lot bigger than my last one. I had a little Seat with like three doors <laughs> and I was trying to shove like a guitar, a PA and like a keyboard. Across, you know, I was driving with a keyboard like across my head and <laughs> all this nonsense. So um, yeah, I've um, now got a Nissan Note and it's got a big boot and it's got like an extra bit underneath. So um, it's basically, basically a, a family car for one. But um, that, I mean, it fits it, all the instruments in. If yeah, it's practical... It is practical, it's bright red, and uh, yeah, I really like it. <laughs> now, I want to go on to New Sin. Yep. Now, New Sin, the actual, the build-up and the press that you did and the PR was out of this world. It really was. Oh, thank you. Whose idea? Was that your idea to do all that? Um, It was a sort of joint thing, like I... I had the idea of things. I, I wanted like the neon fonts and um, the kind of like sort of club feel um, and then like all the black and red. And I had that. I had all the, I had a lot of images of that. And um, then I was speaking to my manager and we were talking about like how we could market things. And, and he was like, it makes sense. It's just like, it doesn't, it's not, it needs more to it. So we were like, right, okay, what can we do? And then he was like, oh, Beyonce did this cool video thing. And I was like, yeah, well, Beyonce has a lot of money. So, <laughs> but, um, it's always the case. We, uh, felt, yeah, we were like, right, how can we do this in lockdown on our phones and, and make it look, look quite good? So um, we just kind of brainstormed that. I also had some ideas of like, I, I'd like just done a lot of research about Sin when I wrote the song and, I was lucky because I was trying to find lyrics. So I was just like researching all these sin <laughs> quotes and Bible quotes and all these things about it. And um, so I had like a list of Bible quotes and then he was like, oh, they're a little bit weird. They don't, people are going to be confused. I was like, all right, okay. So then we like compiled a load of quotes about each sin. And um, he actually went away and wrote it into a script one like Saturday night, as you do after a couple of <laughs> wines. He's like, I woke up in Sunday morning. I've written you a script. It's all good. I was like, okay, cool. So um, we sort of broke that down then Um in the meantime, I'd found this Instagram filter. It was someone else's filter. It was just a black and red one. And um, I was like, this looks really cool. I can I can film things on my phone and, and just with this filter. And I was going around my garden, like, this looks creepy if you film in black and red. These railings look creepy. If you... My shoes look creepy if you film in black. So I was just trying to, like, find all these different things and different textures and lights and cool and cool things like that. And then trying to marry them to each sin and each quote. And then I actually sent... Um, we were trying to find someone to do the vocal for it. And I thought, I don't want it to be my voice because it's like, it's too on the nose. And he, he didn't want it to be his voice. We were like, right, okay, who can we ask? Who's got a good voice? What kind of voice are we looking for? Um, and then I thought, well, actually, why don't we do it as every single voice is completely different. So we have it. We we're going to have a man and a woman and then we can work out who. So then we just, I asked a lot of my, I went to, um, acting school, um, in uni. So I knew a lot of actors. So I asked a lot of, friends to just I sent them a, a text with the with the with the quote like whichever one I wanted them to read and they said yeah. can you just send me a voice note of you reading this in a dramatic voice <laughs> with no context at all <laughs> which was quite fun so people would send me back like is this okay like and just, you know reading these um quotes like lust is blah blah blah, blah. and um yeah this was quite fun so they didn't even know what what they were doing and what it was for and then I just did it on like iMovie I found this creepy new vocals that I'd like added a load of reverb to in Logic MV and then exported that. So it was like quite a sort of clumsy um, putting together of it um, using the software that I had. But um, yeah, it worked out quite well and 
it was fun to do. That's awesome. I mean, what was the craziest kind of vocal that you got back? You know, what was the kind of like tone they did? Was it, cause I know when you say dramatic, you can either go into the emphasis of the dark side or you yeah. can go dramatic as in like, Oh my God. <laughs> What? Yeah, um, uh, one of my boyfriend's friends um, is like a massive fan of Bowie and is really like speaks like really dramatically. He sort of sounded like I think they ref because he he was like asking for like, well, what do you want me to sound like? And I said, oh, like like Gandalf, kind of. <laughs> Just I was like, imagine Gandalf saying saying this, uh, or like you know, uh, Ian McKellen um, do this. So okay, I'll I'll try that. So um. That was fun. And we got to play with a lot of accents as well. So a couple of my friends in America read some and my Irish friend read one. And then we paired that one with like the, the church image. And it sounded like sort of a Catholic kind of vibe to it, which was really cool as well. Yeah. That... A lot of, yeah, it's a lot of fun to have different voices and how everyone approached it differently. That's genuinely, genuinely awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Now, acting school. I did, yeah. So I did a degree in acting and like theatre, a bit of musical theatre, and it had a lot in it. So it was a lot of like movement, dance, um, traditional acting, and Shakespeare, and a bit of film, and a bit of everything, really. So it was, I think it was, I obviously came out of it and I've moved away from acting now. I sort of made that decision as soon as I'd graduated. But I think looking back, the basis that it gave me in performing and and writing and looking at scripts and characters and things was really useful. And yeah. I didn't change that and I've done music or anything like this. So. Now, what was it that actually made you want to go into acting? Um, I'm not quite sure actually <laughs> thinking back now. Um, I did a lot of, I just always done it in school. I did a lot of, um, I did all the school plays. I did drama for mute for GCSE and a level um, also did like English literature and I was just really like into characters and plays and I think that's quite a nice I think that's like something I bring into songwriting now especially with like the last EP was kind of creating different characters and and things which have been obviously extensions of myself in some way or another but it's just been like interesting to to look at things slightly differently. I mean, at least you've managed to take something out of it you know rather than having such a degree going to waste almost you know at least you can take those elements away from it oh definitely and like you know I, you know singing lessons there and and we did I did I wrote like some songs for a musical as part of the final project that we did there so it's definitely all like skills I use now all the time and I wouldn't have yeah I wouldn't regret doing that so so before you did like all the dramas and stuff what was the most memorable experience from school pre the drama and the acting and all that kind of stuff um oh that's a hard one. um i remember this is not related at all to musical drama or that's anything but i remember fun. walking into um you know you had to take a note for your teacher to like another class uh-huh. i remember walking into the i think it was in year like two or three and i walked into this mobile classroom and they were teaching year five and then they were doing a spelling test so i'd be really quiet and they had the word orange and i just remember going like oh that's such a hard word i'll never be able to spell the word orange <laughs> and now you worry about trying to rhyme orange <laughs> yeah oh, no, i can't rhyme it but i can definitely spell it now so I mean, isn't it crazy the kind of things that we used to panic over, particularly as kids, and now look at us as adults? Yeah. 
definitely pat next over slightly more important things but <laughs> oh to go back to being a kid now and knowing what we know now that'd be so oh, yes. great <laughs> now what was it that you did in school i know you mentioned drama what was it that you did in high school um so i've kind of did everything i hated pe <laughs> so that's that was out straight away which is funny because i now love like the gym and stuff but yeah i hate i hate team sports like uh, with a passion like i don't mind watching like rugby and stuff but i'm not a fan of team sports playing them at all um i was always like the last picked in that so um yeah not my forte at all um but yeah i was sort of quite good at kind of everything and just chuck myself into trying a bit of everything um I did my maths like a year early, so I was quite quite good at maths, but um, oh wow, I hated it and then dropped it. So I was like, no, it's boring now. I think when it got because I was quite good at it, and when it got hard, they tried to get us to do A level, and I thought oh, it's hard now. I only liked it because I could do it, and now it's hard, so it's yeah. boring now. But um, <laughs> no, I loved I loved English. I loved all the artsy subjects. Um, I remember a teacher saying, like, you know, you had to pick the option columns and she said, oh, you can't do art and music and drama. Yeah. And English. I was like, oh, okay. That's um, everything so I, I want did to well do. Yeah, no, I was like, I want to be a creative genius. You're ruining my life. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I took music and drama. Um, I took English for A-level and English language. And I did Welsh as well. So, yeah, it's kind of artsy, like, poetry, music plays writing books that's all like uh, it was a massive bookworm all through school so a couple of things going from that then obviously you studied welsh now i did <laughs> being an englishman in particular a yorkshireman now uh, firstly i'll get the rugby bit out of the way because i know that england have done absolutely <laughs> rubbish in the six nations um and wales are absolutely killing it fair play Oof, that after Saturday night. <laughs> well, you've done better than what we have. But yeah. that aside, I'm gonna, I just wanted to get that out of the way. You know, congratulations. I know Carl Kendrick from SW20 <laughs> has been doing, he's been raving about it. Oh, is he? Oh, no way. He's a very, he's a very proud Welshman. <laughs> I've not met him yet. He's another one that I only know like through Facebook. So I haven't even chatted to him yet. Oh, you'll love it. He's a lovely, he's a very lovely guy. Cool. The other thing as well is when, say me as an Englishman goes to Wales and I've, I've never been to Wales, but from what I've heard, everything's pretty much in English. Yeah. So when you're studying Welsh, what, what's that like? You know, do you kind of like show off in front of your friends afterwards with fancy well, well, um, sayings. Sort of. I mean, like in school, like, you all had to learn Welsh, so it's kind of like everyone had a sort of basic knowledge of it. And I know, like one of the, I don't know if you know any Welsh, but one of the um, phrases everyone is always so. Um, if you say I like in Welsh, it's doing hoffy. So everyone always goes, oh, doing hoffy coffee, and that's just like a running joke. That that's if you can't, if you know a little bit of Welsh, that's probably like what you know. So um. I find, yeah, I find I probably sort of 
would speak more Welsh when we came into England. Like me and my sister are both like, she's more fluent than me, but we're both quite fluent in Welsh. When we were in England, we're like, oh, let's speak Welsh. No one will understand what we're saying. Did you have like so full on secret uh, conversations? Yeah, it's cool. Like her friends, um, she's completely fluent and she went to like a Welsh speaking school. Like, so they did absolutely everything in Welsh. And um, yeah, all her friends do actually all live in Bristol now in uni and they all speak Welsh, quite a lot of Welsh community. But um yeah, I think it's just like it's a really interesting language and um everything else everything in Wales is is in English and then in Welsh underneath like all the signposts and then if you go so far north everything is switched so it's like Welsh first and then you know you're in like proper Wales. It's like there's like a there's like a sound barrier or something. <laughs> now, have you ever wanted to do a song completely in Welsh? I have done a song completely in Welsh. Um, I did it three years ago, three, oh, what year we in? Four years ago. So 2017, I think it was when I released it. Um, it's called Dal V and, um, I wrote that with my sister. Now, when you're, so that was fun. When you're writing a song in Welsh, do you kind of like worry in case you forget, like, say one little phrase from there or because you spoke it so much that, it's all second nature now. Um, yeah, I think um, once you've learned it, you like, I feel like you learn the words even if you sort of. It's yeah, it just comes. It just sort of comes out when you when you sing it, even if you wouldn't be able to sort of pinpoint it as well. But um, it's interesting when you write because I did a lot of because some songs I've written in English and then translated into Welsh, and um, they have a thing called Welsh Language Music Day in Wales. So a lot of the time I was asked to do like a set in Welsh. So I'd be like, quick, I've got to translate all my songs into Welsh and then learn that. And I'd have like, I, I sometimes use like a lyric prompter thing um, on my phone for that, which was really handy. But it's interesting when you're sort of translating songs because they don't translate necessarily the, like nicely in the same. <laughs> so I'd have to be like, like there was one um, where I think it was, the lyric was like going around in circles. And I was like, if you translate that into Welsh, it doesn't sound very nice. So I had to say like going round and round yeah. in Welsh to make it flow better or I things s- like that. So I'd be there with my, and my sister helps a lot with that. So we'd be there going, what's another way to say that? Does that sound nice in Welsh? What's an, okay. What's another way to say it? Does that sound nice in Welsh? What's the word for this in Welsh? How about this word? How about this word? Does that work? <laughs> and then we'd be like, just sort of, it's like a puzzle. You'd be trying to like fit it in. But um, yeah, I kind of rewrite the lyrics a bit when you translate a song. Now, don't worry, I won't be asking you Welsh questions all night. <laughs> I'm, I'm That's just, all right. I'm, I'm just really fascinated. I mean, obviously, because we we're kind of we're kind of really stuck in our ways. English. I know I'm speaking for myself here, not for the vast majority, because I know a lot of people know multiple languages. I know little bits of French, little bits of Spanish, little bits of Romanian, just. Little little tiny bits. But for somebody who's actually physically learnt Welsh and knows English, being bilingual in that sense, I I, I find it really fascinating. I find it really, really inspiring. That's great. Yeah, that's cool. It's um I think like a a lot of the time I'd think in English and then have to like change it in Welsh and especially like there's not that my there's not that much like places to practice it's not like you go to france and you can practice your fracture you come to wales and everyone speaks english so it's it's quite hard unless you actively like remember so i i 
in lo- the first lockdown, I was trying to get better at it. So I was ringing my sister once a week and we would have a chat in Welsh. Yeah. But, like if I don't do that all the time, I, it, you sort of lose it. But I know when I, when I speak it more, I start to think in Welsh rather than um, trying to think and then translate and then say things, which I think is the sort of the barrier then of speaking. I know when I go try and speak French, like I'd have to like form a sentence in my head, then translate it into French and then try and say it and, it just takes so much longer to process. Now, the next things I want to go to is obviously New Sin and Blank Walls have done absolutely amazing in Spotify. Thank you. I mean, we're in the hundreds of thousands. I know, it's mad. <laughs> hundreds of thousands. It's brilliant. Now, when you see the figures getting to those kind of levels, what's it like? What goes through your mind? Like, What's the first thing you think of? Um, it's just kind of, it's a bit surreal. Like, cause I was really, really happy to get to 1000. I was really, really happy to get to 10,000, you know, and, and then it just kept growing, especially with blank walls being the first one. I was just sort of blown away by it really. And then you'd see like, you know, on the, on the Spotify for artists, you can see that people have added it to playlists and saved it. And, and that's, it was really cool. And I was finding, um, you can go to each playlist and like from the app and go into go into the app and um actually see the person who'd like made the playlist i was finding people on instagram being like oh you've added me to your playlist like thank you so much and and things like that and i've made like really great friends that way which is like a really cool thing um but yeah it's just amazing to see where people are listening in the world and where you wouldn't expect them to be so like you'd go on and it might be like three people like oh i've got three people listening in india and well, <laughs> what are they doing in india listening to welsh country music like it's, it's so like bizarre and it's someone who's like you know unsigned and isn't like a massive act so it's really surreal i guess and you'd see like oh someone's on australia and someone's in brazil listening and it might just be two people in each country but it sort of adds up and and it's really like it yeah it's just really cool now what's the most strangest craziest far out of the reach places that you've reached so far yeah probably like south america and like countries that don't that i wouldn't have thought spoke english so i'm sort of like <laughs> what, how did you find this what did you what were you doing but um yeah it's just it's really interesting where whereabouts i know there's a few like you know there's the obvious places like nashville where it's because it's country and like i've got friends in North Carolina and I get plays there and like Canada and things. Um, but yeah, it's the ones where I have no connection to and I've never been to and don't speak English. And I just think that's, it's mad how the music can travel so far. Now on your website, there is a couple of quotes. (laughs) Now, obviously Matt Spracklin is amazing. And he yes. says, you're absolute fire, a welcome fresh spin on country music, which you genuinely are. I mean, your notes, I've, I've tried singing high and I cannot <laughs> naturally sing high. I mean, I talk high, but wow, you <laughs> reach some serious notes. But the one that really got oh, me, you. the one that got me really like chuckling was Casey Musgraves meets London Grammar. I love that one. I feel like that's it's just such an odd combination, and I thought it was really cool. And um, that was from um, Fresh on the Net, so it's the Tom Robinson like BBC Six blog. Um, yeah, I got I got into their Fresh Faves with Blank Walls, and they said that about about the sound of it. So I thought that was just a really interesting I, take on it. 
it is such a unique take on it. I mean, I'm surprised it didn't say like Welsh grammar or, you know, just something a bit more like local to yourself. But London grammar, I mean, oh, I think I think London grammar are banned, aren't they? <laughs> yes. I'm, oh, I'm sorry, I just bit a blonde moment. I'm, 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 uh. t- I'm taking it on the literal sense. <laughs> now, according to your bio, you sold out your two album release shows in Cardiff and Swansea, and then did a thirty-nine date tour. Like, <laughs> so um, yeah, was was. There was three tours um, sort of combined. So the 39 dates were across like most of that year. Um, okay. But yeah, it was like, yeah, it was three separate kind of tours. Um, we did two weeks really intense after the, after I did the Cardiff gig and then I did a UK tour and we did, I think we did every night for two weeks around the UK. And then I came back and then a week after I came back, we did the Swansea show as like a homecoming show. And then I had a couple of more dates extended like across the next couple of months in wales so we sort of did like a uk like an england tour then a welsh tour and then i did um a couple of european tours in the september and the autumn season then but yeah overall i think it was 39 um dates until i mean i was i was kind of like panicking at first thinking 39 dates is that all no it wasn't like one after the other (laughs) not consecutive no oh that would be so tiring i just i couldn't do it yeah yeah, I did have some nice breaks in between, definitely, which was what's, welcome. <laughs> what's the kind of longest streak, consecutive streak that you've done in terms of touring or show I dates? think it was the, like, it was like, I think it was, fifth, including Cardiff, it was like 15 dates um, on that UK tour. So that, yeah, it was like two weeks. And it was, it's hard because I kept booking in dates and then I'd be like, oh, that's enough. I've got 11 across two weeks. You know, I've got a couple of days off. And then I'd be like, oh, they've just said I can do this date here. Oh, should we do this open mic night here? Or should we add this one in here? And then actually doing it, it was like, oh my God, I don't want to gig tonight again. <laughs> that is some serious, serious yeah. gigging. Fantastic. And then you're in pubs every night. So like, just be like drinking every, like almost every night. And like one night I'd be like, we have to, we can't drink tonight. We've drunk every single night for two weeks. Like this isn't okay. <laughs> What's, but, um, yeah. what's the most memorable moment of that 39 <laughs> tour date extravaganza that you did? Um, so there's a couple. There's one, um, obviously the Cardiff and Swansea shows were incredible. Um, Naturally. And absolutely loved those. And, you know, obviously it was a lot of friends and family there and it was packed out and it was really, really fun. Um I'm trying to think now. Um, so one of them was in Pembrokeshire, which was like this tiny little venue. And I hadn't done much marketing for it and because uh, I didn't know that many people in, in the area. It's a really small town in West Wales. And um, I was expecting it to be just a few people. It's a really, really small venue, like, you know, not very much like room in it or anything. And it was absolutely packed with people I'd never met. And I did it with Rosie Kale. So she did have some like audience there as well, but it was absolutely packed out with people that neither of us really knew. And they'd all like I, that venue had charged like more for tickets and things than any other venue. So I was like, Oh, it's going to be really quiet. Like no one's going to want to pay that much. Come see us. But it was absolutely packed. And that was such a, like, a surprising welcome. And it was all like new fans and, and it was really fun. Um, I think it's nice with a small town. I feel like if there's one thing on, everyone will go to that one thing and 
that's kind of like the nice feel whereas in a city there's so many options of things to do so I think maybe it is to do with that but that was really cool um there was also one in Germany that was a house show um so it was in this like I know it was in this tiny it was again it was a tiny village in Germany and it was someone's living room but it was like this massive living room and they'd invited their whole village <laughs> into this room and um we just did like an acoustic show have you seen and, the um, film Hostel? Silent. Sorry? Have you seen the film Hostel? No. Basically, it's a group of backpackers that travel around Europe and they end up in a foreign country and they end up getting killed. Oh, well. Does, when well, you, it wasn't that dramatic. <laughs> when you go into people's Gladly. living rooms in a foreign country, does like something in the back of your head think, I'm in somebody's living room here? Um, I mean, what? No, I mean, the guy who um, <laughs> did the tour, the tour manager, um, did a lot of things on like couch surfing on the app. And I know it was obviously like, there's always going to be like safety issues with um, yeah. people you don't know. But um, yeah, we were lucky to stay with some really, really nice people. And we got, they, you know, got, um, did like a potluck, like all brought food and. And they were, it was just the culture in Germany so lovely. They were all like completely silent during the show. And like I do a lot of cover gigs as well, or I used to. So I'm just used to like people just chattering away during a set and not listening properly. So I was sort of like, oh, this is, this is new. This is cool. Now I want to go the opposite way. What is the most frustrating gig that you've ever had? Um, where nobody's listened. You can hear people yeah, just talking. Yeah, it's probably away. one of those. Um, or like if, cause like I do, you know, obviously when I perform live, I do acoustic stuff a lot of the time. And like, I'm in a duo with my boyfriend, we do acoustic stuff. And, and I think one pub like wanted a band, but didn't want to pay for a full band. So they booked like an acoustic act and then they're like, Oh, it's really like chilled. And you're like, yeah, I know. <laughs> like, you know, and I think it's when, it's when like, it's not, it's not the right vibe for the venue that you're playing and and i think that's like when it gets really frustrating because you're like all i'm doing my best but if it's not what you want then it you know i can't really do anything about that you know i'm I'm just me and a guitar like there's not that it's only going to be so upbeat even if i'm playing like really really fast you know have you Um, have you had anybody ones like that have you had anybody like kind of refuse to pay you because it's not been the kind of right right yeah yeah i have that a couple of times or um especially when they say well you did let me play for two hours so it wasn't that bad (laughs) (laughs) yeah so stuff like that and you just think like oh come on that's so frustrating yeah it's really frustrating and it's awkward as well and yeah yeah i don't miss those gigs (laughs) no i mean end of the day you know you're seriously seriously making a name for yourself now particularly in the country music scene here just killing it love it love everything what's kind of like the being the biggest standout moment in your music career so far then other than coming on here (laughs) obviously um there's been a few like play going getting played on country hits radio was amazing because i didn't like i didn't know matt at all before that and i just sort of messaged i found him on instagram and just messaged him like please can i send you a song and um yeah he like he was quite cryptic because he messaged me back then a week after it had been released saying like oh yeah your new song's really good and i was like oh okay 
Yeah. Anything else? <laughs> He's <laughs> and really then he messaged that like an hour late just saying, Oh, I'm gonna play it by the way. I was like, Oh, okay. I was like, Oh, so I can breathe now. It's just sort of like it's like it's like is, is it good enough to play? Like, do you like it that much or no? Like so um yeah, that was funny. Um getting to play the British Country Music Festival, which I haven't played yet, obviously, for that was meant to be for twenty twenty. Um getting booked for that was really, really cool. Um oh, there's probably so many and I've like gone blank now as well. Um, I think I always love a hometown show. They're always going to be like some of the best moments. I think coming back to you. Um, also I played a little set, like accidentally sort of played a set at Glastonbury in 2019. Um, on the, I know it sounds like, it sounds amazing when you say it, but I, it was like, it was a small, it was like the tiniest stage. Um, but I went to see Billy Bragg on, um, Sunday morning I think it was um on the, in like the green fields so it's like these little like community like cafe stages and he did a little acoustic set yeah. and then um they had like a oh sign up and play if you want so um I borrowed like his guitar and did a set <laughs> after following following Billy Bragg so that was really really cool <laughs> Um, um, yeah, it's, it's something like that. It sounds like an accident. So it, when you say it, it's like, oh, it sounds cooler than it was. It didn't, like, at the time, it just sort of felt like, oh, okay. I mean... <laughs> and it's only when you look back that it sounds, like, incredible. Uh, just <laughs> the fact that whether it's a small stage or the big pyramid stage, who cares? Yeah. Glastonbury. I, was like, I, I can say I've done it, so that was that was the coolest part. My mum, because um, my mum came to Glastonbury with us because she's cool, but yeah. she was like, I just, "Can I just come up and say good morning, Glastonbury?" I was like, "No, mum, do <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> so, Trying to yeah, make it no, clear. it's really, it's really cool. It's those moments that you sort of don't realise are cool until after they've happened, and then you thought, "Oh, that was really cool. I wish I'd like been more aware of how cool it was whilst it was happening." And yeah. That's always the issue with like adrenaline. You know, you don't realize yeah. the situation you're in until it's like being and gone. You've calmed down. It's like, oh wait, that just happened. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those. It's, yeah, it's cool. Now, what's it? What was it like then when you first started out as a singer and performing gigs in your hometown? Was there always been a big crowd, or has it slowly built throughout? years yeah it's definitely slowly built I think like when you first start um I feel like it's, it's it kind of goes up and down because when you first start doing it and you have your first gig obviously like, all your friends and family are like oh my god you're doing a gig <laughs> and they all come down and then after you know a couple of months you know I want another gig they're like oh not another gig <laughs> like okay I'll come down so it's sort of like the peaks right at the start but um no I did feel like I was building um like the community in Swansea, quite obviously I haven't seen anyone for ages, but there's such a good music community um, and you just sort of meet people and then you'll like meet local radio presenters and then they'll introduce you to other musicians. And then I did like a lot of open mic nights and you'd see the same people each week and just kind of built up gradually that way. And then I remember doing my first gig in Cardiff and thinking like, oh, I'm playing like the capital city of Wales. And, and it was sort of a massive deal in my head. Um but yeah, it's those moments, I think, just in, like, enjoying every, like, little step on the way um, has been, like, the most fun part of that. That is genuinely awesome. That is, I mean, that must be such a proud moment for, like, your parents, just seeing you develop the way that you've developed in the country music scene itself. Thank you. Yeah, I think, like... I sort of came into that a bit later as well because I did a couple of EPs and I was trying to find what sound I was and I was doing the sort of 
kind of folk and then kind of pop and then kind of country and just kind of like I wasn't quite sure where I was going with it and then um when I did Earthbound I was like right I'm I'm gonna go country and like completely commit to this um sort of sound and I'm still trying things out now like I feel like this some like my latest releases have got a bit poppier but yeah I'm still exploring and I'm working out what my sound is What's been your favourite... By the way, I want to apologise as well. Phone's just gone. I've just ignored it. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so if everybody heard ringing in the background, it's just my telephone. Yay, perfect timing. <laughs> but yeah, what, when you're developing your sound, have you had like a moment where you thought, oh, this is really, really good. I really like this kind of feel to the vocals. You know, what kind of moments have they been? Um. I think with New Sin, that was one that, because with Blank Walls, like, I knew what I kind of wanted it to sound like, and it was quite, like, a ballad, and I gave, like, the producer I worked with, I gave him, like, Casey Musgrove songs to listen to, and I was like, I want it to sound kind of like this, and and New Sin, like, he put in, like, I don't even know how to explain it, it sounds like a, in my head, it sounds like a spooky carnival, and it's got this kind of, like, siren-y thing going on, and I remember being like, that's not what I had in mind, but it's really cool. And that was like one of the biggest moments in the last year that I thought like, oh, that's like, I don't know what it is, but it's cool. And and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I really enjoy exploring new things. I think the great thing with New Sin in comparison to the previous stuff is the fact that everything else sounds really kind of, kind of summery, kind of very light and mm. airy and kind of, you know, really, really melodic. Whereas New Sin yeah. takes it just brings that whole depth to it, that darkness, that like like the carnival sounds, that eeriness. Yeah, um I wanted it to um I actually wanted it to come out like on Halloween, but um I, I just we didn't get organized in time. But it kind of it came like I think the the campaign started like on Halloween. So it was like the two weeks after that and I was like just keeping up like the creepiness of that. Um, so that was a really fun to release then um yeah I just found I was exploring like my lower register of my voice as well and I think that had a lot to do with like the sound of like the sort of deep deeper voice in the vocal and I think I've done the same in Delita a bit as well like the verse is being really sort of dark and and low and that's something I've just become like I love like that in you know in songs I listen to and I love when the vocal jumps up for the chorus and it creates this massive contrast well, that, that's a great thing. I mean, main thing with songs is that layering. You know, you've got to have the different yeah. tones, the different pitches, the different keys, and you nail it. I, I, I keep saying this throughout the chat, but you you seriously do nail it, and you can see why you're getting the listening figures that you do because it is absolutely fantastic. Thank you. I really appreciate that. With delete it then. We'll, we'll go, uh, no, no, actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave delete it for a second. I want to ask one more mm-hmm. question away from this. You've mentioned your boyfriend quite a bit. <laughs> I did. So, let, let's go back to the beginning. When did you two meet? How did you two meet? Um, we met at a gig, actually. We met at my gig, and, um, it was one of those, I think it was in January, and it was like a dead gig, because everyone's skin in January, and, um, he was like the only person actually watching so I was like oh who's this guy okay and then I was giving out little um, badges at the end of um at the end of my set I think it was my first like little merch table I had um for my first EP and I had these little pin badges and he came up and got one and then he found me on Facebook then after 
from that pen badge. So it's quite cute. And um, yeah, we just they were friends then. He he plays guitar and harmonica, so he was a lot there at a lot of open mic nights, and we kept bumping into each other and stuff. So just yeah. so, just so people know, there is a fine line between being cute and being adorable like that and being kind of stalkerish. So just be careful if you ever try this. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's cool. Like, and he's um, friends with a couple of my friends that, like, I didn't, like, I knew him through a couple of people. And then I went to school with his cousin, so I knew, like, some of his family already, which was kind of weird. But, um, yeah, it was cool. It's like a happy coincidence. Everyone in Swansea knows everyone. It's, it's one of those things. <laughs> I was going to say it almost sounds like fate, but if everybody knows everybody, then fair enough. Oh, it's just, it's just small towns. <laughs> it's just Swansea. Now, when... When you're performing, say, throughout like Swansea or Cardiff compared to places around England, is there a notable difference between the crowds or? Um, I mean, I, I know a lot more of them in Wales, so it's probably hard to sort of judge. But um, I think like one of the nicest ones I had was up in Wolverhampton and they had like a country songwriters night. And that was really cool because it was like everyone up there just, bonded over like just loved country music and I thought like oh that's really cool like you know I've played a lot of sort of general venues and like acoustic nights and just to have something that was like purely really country focused was was a lot of fun and it was really cool and I remember playing I did an open mic night in um Nottingham as part of the tour like a sort of to fill in one of the dates and two of the people who were gonna come and see the Wolverhampton gig and I couldn't make it come to had like driven to Nottingham to see me in this open mic night and I was like, Oh, I felt bad I couldn't perform more like songs for you. But um it's just really cool and I think not knowing how many people you can reach until you sort of do a tour and see people actually turn up and like it's sort of mad. You think like, you know, I knew I had like fans on Facebook from those places, but it's sort of when it translates into like real people who turn up to gigs. Yeah, I think that was like the coolest part of playing away from home. Just shows the true fan dedication as well. It is, and it's mad. And they, you know, came and they bought CDs, and I just sort of think like, oh, like you know, and you have this whole thing of like, obviously you're an artist, and you you brought and you brand yourself, you mark yourself, and put yourself out there. But you're sort of like, oh, it's it's just little old me, and I'm just playing my guitar. You know, you have that sort of humbleness, I think, and it's sort of it's 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 just really interesting to see like people actually come to you and have found you online and yeah it's just it's interesting now in terms of gigging what was it like performing in sweden that was cool um that was in a bookshop um and i got that gig because um where was it i met i think it was the same venue um that I met my boyfriend actually but it was a place in Swansea and it was like the end of a sort of fringe weekend or a, like a festival weekend like yeah you know, like a, a local festival weekend and there was one more gig that my friend was playing and I was like oh I've been to every gig and I'm too and I, I don't think I'd played but I'd just been to every gig and I was so tired I was like oh come along and um there was only like five people there because it was obviously like a Sunday night and everyone was knackered after this um whole weekend um <laughs> but I went along to her gig and um it was a sort of gig swap that she'd done with someone in Sweden, um, this woman. And um, her manager was there and he was, I was just chatting to him because there was, there was hardly anyone at this gig and we got talking about music. I said, oh, I am a musician as well. And um, then he was like, oh, let's do a gig swap sometime and you can come to Sweden. And I sort of 
thought, oh, like, oh yeah, that would be cool one day and didn't expect it to actually happen. Yeah. Um, but then, um, yeah, we flew out to Sweden. We stayed in that lady's house that um, we'd done the gig with and well, that I'd seen at that gig. And then we did um, this bookshop um, gig, which was completely unplugged acoustic and um, was just really, really cool. What's the most randomest place then you've ever stayed, you know, stopped over? Is that kind of like one of them? Um, yeah, probably. Um, places have stayed. I think they're not stayed, but the weirdest place I've played at was Cardiff Airport. Oh, really? <laughs> and that was part of, yeah, it was part of Welsh Language Music Day. And then um, there was like flights coming into, you know, international flights coming into Cardiff. And they thought, oh, it'd be really cool if we could set up a big like screen saying it's Welsh Language Music Day and we'll have people playing in Welsh as these flights come in. So these poor like and Cardiff Airport's proper like business flights only. It's not that many commercial flights. So it's people like fly out flucking in from like Dubai and like, you know, like people aged of businessmen and women and like all the carrying their briefcases like what's what's going on? What language is this? What are they doing? This is all like mad. But um yeah, it was really fun and you know just got to play for like incoming flights and end of customs which is a lot of fun have you ever done any formal like busking yes i have um i did i did i've done busking a lot as like a teenager and and um just in between gigs we did a lot of busking in europe um when i did a show obviously because i didn't know that many people in any of the cities and things so we do busking like near the venue like a few a couple of hours before and then hand out flyers and say like i'll oh, come to our gig and, and things like that so that was a lot of fun um i also did some sort of busking it was paid but it was like kind of busking as well in um cardiff like shopping center for valentine's day and they had like oh, yeah. a backdrop thing and just playing like love songs in the in the middle of like St David's shopping center and things like that and I just really enjoy I think if you've got the right sound system and and stuff it's it's a really fun experience now when you're a kid when you're doing like the acting and you're learning learning how to become an actress and doing your degree when was the moment that you decided I'm not going to do this I want to go into singing as something completely different and what was it that triggered that kind of move um I mean I've written so do you mean like when I yeah when I finished acting and went into into songwriting and singing um so I did for the last um like project we did in uni I did um a musical and we like devised the show and then me and um like the musical director and and now our singing teacher um is an amazing man called John Quirk and he wrote he was like I'm gonna write all the music for this and, and we're gonna do this do this musical and then um the first rehearsal we were all like discussing stuff and everything and then I was like oh I should go see and I was like I'll just sneak off and go see John and I was like John I want to write the songs with you and he was like, okay. And I was like, I've written something on it. I think I'd written this. It was, um, it, the musical was about like World War Two, and it was about evacuees. Oh yeah. Which was really cool. So, um, and I like loved like the fort, like the forties and that sort of era. And I was like, I've written this like chorus, I think it was. And for this, and I was like, I want to write, I want to write this musical with you and I want to do this. 
And then he was like, yeah, I guess I didn't see why not. Like, I'm sure that could go into your, like, mark and you could be marked on that as well. And I'm part of it and stuff. So I was like, okay, cool. And I think I just spent, like, most of the rehearsals. And they were like, Larry, come on, it's your scene. And I'm like, I'm just writing this song with John. And I sort of was like, oh, I really want to do. Like, I obviously enjoyed the singing. I did sing the songs and, and that as well. But I just really enjoyed, like, crafting them and, and that's when and I'd always done songwriting alongside it. And I'd always done like, I think the uni open mic night was sick of me by the time I finished there and um, things like that. And yeah, I just kind of, it was quite natural, really. I didn't feel like, right, I'm quitting acting and I'm not doing it. It just sort of flowed naturally into, into like, while I'm performing and I'm still performing, I'm just writing my own songs and performing those. Can you remember your very first performance, whether acting or singing in front of a live crowd can you remember the emotions yeah so my first one was um I think it was five and it was like a school play in primary school and I think it was Dick Whittington or something I think they always make you do that don't they <laughs> and I was just dar- I was just like a dancer and uh, I was just like this in the background I just, I just remember that and um we sang this song called the mango walk <laughs> please say Crazy. you remember it <laughs> It was like, na, 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 do mango walk, you do mango walk or something. It was something like that. I don't know what the words were. I think it was half like nonsense because it was meant to be set on some island and they spoke a different language. I was mad. Um, and I remember my mum, they wanted like sort of pink ballet tights for us to wear. And my mum was like, pink tights, yes. Yeah? So she got these bright pink ones. And I just stood out. And there was like all these girls in their nice like pale pink tights. And I was just in these bright yeah. pink, like bright glowing ones in the middle almost like a 90s rave yeah I just was like fluorescent pink right in the middle like completely misread the whole situation (laughs) I suppose being a creator and a performer and an actor you know you've got to have you've got to stand out and by having your mum really helped you in that sense by exactly yeah it's, it's all planned. It was all planned from an early age. <laughs> I also, um, when I was, I actually grew up in Norwich um, and I went to, for when I was really little and I went to a few different primary schools and then we moved to Wales and um, I feel like every um, primary school I went in, I'd have a different uniform and then some of them I was just like, I'm not wearing any different uniform, I'm just going to wear whatever uniform. So I sort of wore this like white polo shirt in um, every school I went to, even if they were wearing blue or red, and I just in every school photo they're like, "Well, Larry's got to sit in the middle because she's the odd one out." <laughs> so I think, yeah, I think I already had that like distilled in me. I don't know how. <laughs> I mean, it's it's brilliant. You know, it's one way of becoming, you know, not center of attention, but becoming the focal point of the attention. Yeah, it's- yeah, I think that kind of sort of happened accidentally, and. I've always, I'm like the oldest child, accidentally. I'm like the oldest child, so I've always like, I've always been like, demanded a bit of attention, I think. (laughs) Now, what was it that spurred you on to singing country as opposed to any, any form of genre? You know, what was it that stood out about country? I think it was Taylor Swift, to be honest. (laughs) Um, no, that was the first thing that got me into country music. I remember, um, yeah, she is, I, I love Dolly Parton, but I didn't really understand, I didn't know what country music was. I didn't like 
understand it as a genre and they think you know when you're a kid it's just music it's just music and you don't really understand but I remember liking I think it was You Belong With Me and um I was like well I have to go and get this this album um and see what it's all about I remember looking I went to HMV and I was you know everything I bought at HMV was like in the rock and pop section so I was just looking through and I was like oh, I can't find it anywhere like I don't know like I don't know what she would be apart from like pop like it's kind of pop I didn't I didn't really understand and then I, I think I asked and they were like oh yeah that's in the country section I was like what's that what does that mean and there's like this little shelf in like the corner of HMV and then I was like okay so um, I was looking through and then I was like I found some artists I'd heard of like Leanne Rhymes and Dolly Parton I was like oh they're country music this is what country music is okay and I think I bought like most of the CDs in the in the shop in that little section but um yeah I bought the Fearless album and I think after that I just absolutely fell in love with with the sounds of it and I just feel like it's a really nice organic kind of genre um I love like I've always loved real instruments in songs I know like obviously I've done a bit more pop on like production but I've always loved like organic sounds and and like acoustic music and that sort of thing and yeah just the sounds of it and like the the lyrics are always really I feel like it's like it sounds like coming home and in like a nice way I've got to say I'm a massive fan of in particular acoustic music yeah in particular stripped down music so yeah I always love doing acoustic versions of things so now what is it that make what goes through your mind then when you're deciding which songs to choose to do an acoustic version of? Um, I think it's ones that are like very produced or like single. So I love performing new sin acoustically because it sounds completely different to like the, the, the produced version. And then, but there's other songs that I think they sound so acoustic anyway there's no need to strip it back that much further like I did one called Chicago and there is an acoustic version on the like my acoustic album but it doesn't sound that different so I I find it more fun when it's like a completely different sound now are we expecting you sin or delete it as an acoustic version possibly (laughs) quite possibly so exciting you do this to us you you kind of like <laughs> sprinkle a little bit of a little bit of sugar on there and just let all the ants you know come and nibble on the sugar <laughs> and then you swat us like mm, possibly maybe maybe not love that analogy delete it delete it just <sighs> I hate asking the cliche questions, but who's who's the song? Is it, is it anybody that the song's based on? Um, so it's just it is based on like a boy, and I think like it's just using like past experiences that I've had and like that sort of experience of dating, and like I wrote it with Beth Keeping, yeah. who is like so she does a lot of like talks about being single and especially during lockdown and like the difficulties of that and and. I think the last year it just kind of was like at the forefront and like I wrote it a couple of months into the first lockdown and we were just talking and saying like it was my first like Zoom co-write and we were like it's crazy that everything's just done through a screen and you know you're te- you can text someone but then you know you might think oh they've probably read that wrong and they might think I'm annoyed with them or or you read something wrong and then you think oh this person hates me and and I think it's just the 
the miscommunication you get from text messages. And that's kind of what we wanted to delve into. Don't you think it's crazy how easily texting is misconstrued? Yeah, absolutely. And like I, I spent like a whole weekend thinking someone was so annoyed with me until I spoke to them on Monday. And they're like, oh, no, not at all. I just meant this. And you were like, oh, that was me like having a panic attack all weekend. I feel like I've breathed. <laughs> and like, well, you know, it's that kind of anxiety. And then also, you know, wanting to say something and then thinking I shouldn't say that via text or. And we we took that message of like, I love you is such a, a thing that you really want to say in person. You don't want to have to say that via text. Now, I've just pulled up on YouTube, delete it's official, 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 official <laughs> lyric video. Yes, I made a lyric video by myself on my iPhone and uh, I'm using my uh, my remedial iMovie software that I've got on my Mac and uh, put together this, this uh, lyric video for you. Now, the thing that I do genuinely, genuinely love about it is the fact that you do everything through almost like everything's on a phone. So do you just like record it? Was you on your phone recording it? Screen recorded. Um, it was really fiddly actually. So it spent like a whole weekend doing it. Um, but I was like, I know if I asked someone else to do it, like I did, I've asked, I've had, you know, professional people do lyric videos for me, but I was like, it's so specific and I've got this vision and I just need to do it myself. Um, so I like screen recorded myself typing the lyrics. Um, then I had my laptop's got iMessage. And so I renamed my laptop as Mr. Wright in my phone. And it still is that. So if I ever like send a file to my phone, I'll be like, Mr. Wright. And it's like, oh, it popped up. But um, so I did that. And then I was there like holding my phone on my computer, like send that message whilst I'm screen recording. And, and then doing that and, and just trying to type them out and then putting them into iMovie I've said to speed them up because I can type as fast as I was singing um and oh that was that was the fiddly bit really it was I'd I'd done all the I've done all the footage of it I say footage I'd done all the screen recordings put them into iMovie and then I was just having to try and edit the timing of them and so I was like chopping some of them up and speeding them up slowing them down and like adding in pauses and, and breaks and stuff so that took quite a while but um yeah I'm happy with how it turned out I'm so, so, so glad you said that you sped it up or slowed it down because if... <laughs> no, I didn't type that fast. <laughs> I mean, I've had it before where I'm typing something and somebody will automatically reply straight away. It's like, I'm still typing, yeah. just let me catch <laughs> up. And the speed that you type it on this, it kind of makes me feel like that's the speed that everybody seems to te- text me at. Basically. Yeah, I think it's 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 partly that, and it's like the anxiety of it just being like, wait, 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 let me think this through, and yeah. So, the phrase "I love you" and repeating it, and then just deleting it and saying "I do." Yeah, like you say, it's from past experiences, or kind of based upon past experiences within relationships yeah has has this been as as this happened to you in a positive or negative way you know loving someone so much you don't want to say it kind of thing if that makes sense i don't know if that makes sense yeah i think it's like like i've 
had you know text conversations where you sort of want to say it and then you think oh no I'll, I'll wait and say that in person and I think yeah. the idea was that at the moment with the lockdowns it was kind of like oh I, when you, I can't do this in person so like if I am going to say it I'm going to have to text it to them and that kind of debate in your head. Mm. How many times have you done something similar to this you know in previous relationships where you've you've started typing stuff out in notes just as like a precursor to what they may say or may not say. Yeah, I've done it a couple of times. Um, yeah, you sort of prepare like all the different scenarios of, of what they could say and what your response would be. But yeah, I think I just overthink things a lot. Do you do this with your current boyfriend? Not anymore. We have, we have quite good communication now, but I think at the start and it's, it's kind of the early stages of relationships where you're like, oh, do they feel the same way? Or are they going to be like, oh, you've completely got that wrong. And then you're like, oh, God, no. So, yeah, it's kind of the, it's the start of a relationship is mainly about. That's awesome. I keep Thank saying, you. I keep saying, I mean, <laughs> the great thing as well is the next video that's come up on the wonderful world of YouTube is New Sin. And I've seen this video so many times, but every time I watch it, it's just, it gets me blushing. <laughs> <laughs> I can't watch it anymore. It's cringy to me. <laughs> really? No, it's it's good. No, I think I think it turned out really well. It's just it's just like watching it, watching yourself back is never like the nicest experience, is it? <laughs> what was it like filming you, Sin? Um, it was fun. Um, we did it in like one of my favorite um music venues in Swansea called Sin City, which was appropriate. And um, I actually wrote the song about like a night out there, so it kind of came full circle. I got to coincidentally record it in there. <laughs> yeah, so that was really cool. Um, it was weird because obviously, like you'd ideally want like people in the club and stuff, and we couldn't do that because obviously of COVID. So it kind of ended up being this empty club. And then I was sort of thinking it's kind of like that feeling you have when you feel like you're the only two people in the room. So yeah. That's how I, that's how I justified that. I think in my head. <laughs> so let, 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 let's rewind before the actual filming. So you approach the, the club's owners. Yeah. The owner, yeah. And you say to them, hi guys, I just want to do a bit of a film here. Can I, can I borrow your dance floor with all the lightings and, everything and i'll just dance around or just I'll, I'll, I'll just dance is that okay it pretty much yeah <laughs> um um yeah i'm good friends with the owners so that, that really ah, helped um that helps yeah 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 i didn't just it wasn't like a cold call um he does a lot of work with the swansea university and my boyfriend works swansea university as well so he knew him and i've gigged at the club a lot of times and yeah we had quite a good relationship before Oh, that's awesome. Before, um, I just randomly approached him and asked to dance. <laughs> now, about halfway through the video, you do like almost like a, like a snake, like a... Do I? <laughs> intentional or... That was or... purely incidental, I think. <laughs> I mean, it, it adds to that kind of sinister... How much of a fan of Harry Potter are you? I'm quite a big fan of Harry Potter. Now, David Tennant's character. Oh, I know the um, Barty Crouch. Barty Crouch, yes. You know when he... I've never, I've never noticed that. I did that. I'll have to go back and watch. <laughs> I mean, it's it's probably just it's probably just the way that you 
coincidentally yeah. tell while she was singing. It, it's probably me just over analyzing things <laughs> as I always do. But it just reminds me of that kind of, you know, that dark and twisty. Yeah. Which fits that's the, really cool. Oh, it's so, it, oh, just awesome. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> love everything. Thank I mean, you. You really have. I mean, you say that you're trying to find that you sound and you're trying to find yourself as a singer. And yeah, I think it's it's okay to evolve. And oh, definitely. Yeah. But, so you know, I'm not like not in a bad way. <laughs> I think with each each song that you've done and each developing into the different kind of sounds that you do, you grow stronger each time. You Thank really you. do. It's. Oh, I I just see big, 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 big things. Just thank you. I hope so. <laughs> literally, uh, the sky's not even the limit. Just keep going. Just, oh. Thank you. Now, delete it out now. Yep. What has the kind of reaction and engagement been like with delete it? It's been really good. I think it's been like something that a lot of people can relate to the like the subject matter and the sort of feeling of the song. And um, so it's had a good response from like fans and friends and family and everything. Um, it's early days, so it might have, I don't know how how it will be sort of more widely received. Um, but obviously, it had the first spin on Chris Country Radio, which was something I'd been wanting for absolutely ages because I remember. Um, before like country hits was a thing it was like the one to get on and I just didn't like expect them to ever like play me and as I've grown as an artist you sort of think oh this is like a possibility and hopefully they they pick up on it so that was really really cool um but it's had some good press um some blogs and I've got some good quotes so far so I'm really happy with how it's how it's going absolutely fantastic now to end the show I like to ask a couple of questions. Now, I've had, a, I've had to add a couple of extra questions on behalf of Linda Conway from Voice of All. Ah, cool. So, do you have any, like, dietary requirements? Do you have certain, you know, are you vegan, vegetarian? I am vegan, yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> okay. Now, pizza. Yes. Pineapple and pizza, yes or no? Yes. Yes. Love you for that. Yes. Pineapple forever. I I won't ask you the I won't ask you the other questions because <laughs> I don't think Jaffa cakes are have Jaffa cakes vegan, a vegetarian. Uh, but they're not. But I have had them before. Would you say they're a cake or a biscuit? Oof, oh, it's a hard one. I think they're a cake. They're more cakey, but they are in a biscuit aisle, so it's really confusing. There we go. The newer questions, which I won't ask, uh, it, it, <laughs> it's suitable for vegetarians. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have had them in the past. Um, now, Linda was doing an Instagram live with Belle Velvet, a yeah. new young artist, and she ate things like snails. Ooh. So well, I, on the live stream. Not not on the live stream, but in the past. Oh, good. <laughs> and we we ended up tending to a massive debate about what snails are like, and but I don't expect you to. I've never eaten snail. I don't think I probably don't think I ever will. So. No. 
Um, oh, there was some. What? What about mushrooms? I love mushrooms. Would you actually. eat mushrooms raw? Um, yeah, but they, they, there's not much point. They don't taste as much. <laughs> that's, that's pretty. Much like everything. they're not horrible, but they just don't taste as much. <laughs> okay, go on. Let's stick. For, let's let, let let's just let's just sit back for a bit more then. What what's like your go to meal? What's what's your favourite meal that you cook or you have cooked for you? Um, probably a curry. I like to make like a sweet potato curry. Ooh, that sounds really nice. Ooh, sweet what, potato and lentil. Yeah, and a slow cooker because it just it's easier. <laughs> everything's easier in a slow cooker, particularly in winter. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can just like shove some stuff in, and then you've got like food for days. Then. <laughs> what about drinks? What's your favourite drink? You know, alcoholic or non-alcoholic? Um, or... I drink a lot of tea, tea? Um, but also a G&T. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, one that. of my go-tos. You can tell you're an artist. <laughs> I drink a bit of tea and a bit of G&T and... <laughs> Flavoured gins? <laughs> Flavoured gins or... Um, yeah, I do. I like um, a few different flavours. It's quite fun to try and they feel like they've... The gins had like a massive comeback, as it were. So um, there's a lot of lot of gins on the market, and I do enjoy trying them. Now, what brand tea do you drink? Uh, Yorkshire tea. There we go. There we go. I do. Yorkshire tea. <laughs> I love Yorkshire tea. I mean, I'm not just so I'm good. from Yorkshire, but because it tastes so amazing. It is. It's the best one. Yeah. I mean, the amount I talk about Jaffa cakes and Yorkshire tea. I'm surprised I haven't got some sponsorship deal with them. <laughs> It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. And I genuinely cannot wait to hear what the EP brings us. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to bring you some more music. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Larry, for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure, as always. I hope to see you all soon. And hopefully we get to some gigs very soon as well. So exciting. Hope you all have a good week, and I'll see you all next time. Bye for now. That was the Country Chat Podcast. Join Dom next time for exclusive interviews, reviews, and general chit-chats on all things country music.